Pushkin. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. It all started with two federal agents who heard a rumor. She mentions, well, there is this alleged murder to have taken place. There was just one problem. They had no clue who the victim was. We have to do our job, and we have to find out who did they kill. It had been 15 years since this alleged murder. Was it still possible to unearth the truth? I used to watch um, the Unsolved Mystery shows, and I often thought about calling because I was like, this is, this is not right. How can a person get killed and no one knows anything? I'm Jake Halpern, and this is Deep Cover, The Nameless Man. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to hear the entire season right now, ad-free, subscribe to Pushkin Plus on our Apple Podcast show page or on pushkin.fm slash plus. Solvable listeners, I want to introduce you to Ronald Young Jr. You might be familiar with his name from other work in podcasting, leading shows like Time Well Spent and Leaving the Theater. He's a sometime guest contributor on NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour. We are really excited to make it official that Ronald is going to be the newest host of Solvable. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so, so excited to be here, so pumped <laughs> to be on the team. Believe it or not, hosting Solvable is not my main job. My main job is being CEO of Pushkin. And Pushkin, over the last year in lockdown, has like doubled in size. We have almost 50 people now. And um, it's exciting. There's a lot going on. Um, but it's sort of crowded out the time that I like to spend preparing and figuring out guests. And also, I'm not really a host. I don't know if you noticed that. I think you do a great job. Untrained, I'm an untrained host. I have certain host qualities, mainly that I'm really interested in talking to the guests on the show, um, and I have a lot of drive to learn. But I don't mm -hmm. have that quality of hostiness, 
which I hear in your voice. <laughs> and I really want to know how that's done. <laughs> well, first of all, I don't know if that's that's the message I want to be saying. <laughs> like, we got host Demon Coasterson coming on in to host our show. Uh, no, I know what you mean, though. I, you know, I've always found it easy to talk to people. I've always found it easy to connect with folks and ask questions that I'm curious about. And mostly because as a child, I was always encouraged to ask questions, whether it was to friends, to families, to teachers. And I think that's what uh, helps with being a good host and with conducting good interviews, which you do a great job of. Uh, well, thank you, Ronald. But yeah, no, I think that just that basic quality of curiosity, you know, if, yes. you, if you don't want to know, you can't read someone else's questions. I mean, our producers on the show do suggest a lot of great questions for us, but ultimately you ask the ones that are your questions that are the things mm-hmm. you want to know. Yes. It's funny because like, you know, working with the solvable team, it certainly is a team effort. But I think what makes a good host and what makes a good interviewer is the ability to read the conversation and to know when it when it needs to take a turn, when it's about to pivot or when your curiosity might push the uh, interviewee a little deeper into their subject matter and even make them more comfortable and ready to answer more questions as they go. So and I really enjoy doing that. So this is a very exciting role for me. You do do something. I mean, since we're on this this topic, you know, I do think being a really good host goes beyond just the flow of the conversation and asking the right questions. There's something about creating this this environment, this kind of comfort and even this sense of place. And here's what I don't feel that I really know how to do. But I hear in your voice, you know, and a lot of the people who are just really good hosts of shows, Terry Gross, you know, you just feel like you're at her place. Mm hmm. Yeah. Like you're in her world and, the, you know, and the guest is coming into her world and you feel as a listener, you're made to feel welcome and comfortable there. How do you do that, Ronald? I, you know, I wish I could say there was a trick. I wish I could tell you, hey, do this thing and this will this will work. But for me, it's just it's hospitality. It's really being genuinely interested in what they have to say. It's paying attention to them, not necessarily thinking so far ahead that you can't be present in the conversation, creating that warm sense of environment. It really comes from like a genuine place inside people. And I think most people that talk to you will tell you that this is who I am all the time. So it makes it easier for me to just bring this with me to a hosting role. Uh, whereas some people I think are very good at being a host and then, you know, in the rest of their lives are not nearly as hospitable or, or friendly. And I, I can't say anything about Terry Gross, but I, I know that good host is being able to create that sense of hospitality in the conversation that they're having in that moment. Yeah, I mean, I think of the great hosts of my childhood, Dick Cavett, who was on TV, obviously long before your time, Mm -hmm. but back in the days before cable, Mm -hmm. when there were only a few channels, every night Dick Cavett was having these interesting people on his show. And he's charming, he's charmed by the guests, and a lot of what he's trying to do is, of course, just inject wisecracks. Uh, I've got a clip here that's a good example of that. It's Cavett talking to the comedian Don Rickles. I know it's hard for you to be serious, but it is. I think people don't admit that deep down inside, if I may be serious for a moment, that you do something on the stage that all of us would like to do if we had no class. (laughs) The other host I think about all the time is I grew up listening on the radio growing up in Chicago to Studs Terkel. Here, just as one example, is Studs Terkel interviewing Muhammad Ali in 1975. Why do you think it is? And always in this particular theater, so many different people there. Why were they rooting for you, the outsider? Well, I think the masses root for me because they're scuffling. They've been persecuted and they've figured by the high taxes and 
and uh, uh, whatever. They've underdogs. People are basically underdogs as a whole. And the things that I say from black my people and the freedom of all people and the way I speak out and the title that I have and the and I don't let this stop me from recognizing the everyday man. I think this is what they reckon. Whether it be black or white, the masses of the people are hardworking people. The amazing thing about Studs Terkel, I mean, Studs Terkel, he was so good at talking to anybody, you know, and on a day to day, he would have like, you know, a janitor and then he would have, you know, an opera singer and then he would have, you know, a former vice president or politician. And he just part of what was great about him was he sort of would talk to everybody the same way. Yeah, I think I mean, there's a sense of empathy that comes with no matter who's in the room, it should be able to be extended to anyone who's sitting opposite from you, whether they be the janitor or the president of the United States. The other thing is not being afraid to ask even a question that may not sound as smart as you think it does. I think Larry King once said um, he was on a uh, he was on he was talking to Jesse Thorne. My friend Herbie Cohen, who wrote You Can Negotiate Anything, we grew up together. He says to me, Larry, the secret of your success is you're dumb. (laughs) And dumb is the great road to success because you're not afraid to say, I don't know. Tell me. Help me. That's a lot of my interviews. Help help me with that. You're you're a brain surgeon. You got brain surgery tomorrow morning. Think about it tonight. When you go in, do you check your hands if they're steady? And so then all of a sudden you have this very poignant moment because Larry King asked a question that is like, wow, I would have. And even me, I was sitting there. I was like, Ronald, do you do I do that? I was like, I want to make sure that I, 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 I do that. But having that empathy allows you to just be in the seat across from you, like I said, whether it's the janitor or the president of the United States. Yeah. So for this show, you know, we, we do interviews with a particular kind of focus. How is problem solving and how are people who have ideas about solving problems making the world better and capable of making the world better? And that's the thing that, that can be a big range of stuff. Yeah. If you look out there, let's say your your house is near the water and you look out there and you're just like, the water seems to be creeping closer and closer. And if you're only thinking about what's going to happen when the water reaches your house and all the horrible things that can happen as the water continues to rise and the flooding, when you when you start to think about all that, it kind of changes your posture versus if you, if you think, how do we stop the water? How do we get the people out? How do we keep my house dry? And I think in terms of uh, this podcast, I like that it's it's pivoting from us talking so much about what the issue is, because in most cases, we know what the issue is. What we really need to know is what's the best way forward? How can we like either neutralize whatever this problem is or at least adjust our lives so that the problem isn't what it is? Do we need to build a bridge? Maybe we need to build our houses higher, whatever that means in order to uh, to get out of the water. I think it gives a bit of optimism to the world that I think is 100 percent necessary right now. It is optimistic. I mean, it's looking at things that are, in many cases, terrible. But the show always makes me feel really good because the people we interview believe in positive change in a very practical way. I mean, not just in a I have faith way, but in a, I've looked at this and I'm working on ameliorating this thing, whatever yes, it is. Yes, that's what makes me feel good about listening. Um there's a lot of doom scrolling over the last year. We talked about doom scrolling, which is when you're just looking at your phone, just looking at all the headlines uh, that have to do with COVID, all the horrible things that are happening with the election, all the horrible things that are happening with the presidents or politics in general. We're just doom scrolling. It feels good 
for someone to come to you with a problem and a solution, or at least a proposed solution, or say we're working towards a solution for this problem. It makes me look at the problem as temporary rather than as something that's going to grow and overtake us. And that, that just makes me feel really good. When you step back and get the big picture of what's been happening globally over the last 40 years, been tremendous human progress on almost everything that counts. There are billions fewer people living in extreme poverty that is, you know, living on less than $2 a day. Hunger has become fundamentally a problem in conflict zones or where you have political breakdown. You don't have areas of the world that are subject to famine as kind of natural disaster. Um, there are people dying of various communicable diseases, you know, despite the pandemic this year, numbers getting better. And I've tried to find interviewees who recognize the progress we've made and are focused on accelerating it or talking about how we can extend it to other areas. I mean, it's, it's going to put us all in a different mindset to say that how can we make it even better? I think that's the spirit of the show and it's continuing in the right direction of optimism. Ronald, our listeners are going to get to know you over the coming weeks and months, but I wanted to make it a little more personal and and ask you about yourself and, you know, frame it to the extent you want around problem solving. But tell us a little bit about your career and, and you know, what problems you've had to face. Shortly after um, Trayvon Martin and George Zimmerman, they had uh, that incident where George Zimmerman uh, killed Trayvon Martin. I remember I was on Facebook and I was getting into arguments all the time with folks about racism, about, uh, you know, the rights of people to take a take the shortcut through the alley without being shot. Like uh, to think about I was thinking through all those scenarios and I was getting into these arguments over and over again. And there were several different Facebook discussions in which I would post this long post. People would jump into comments. I would argue with them in the comments. We'd go back and forth. And then people would say, Ronald, you're being rude. You're belittling people. This isn't right. Why do you talk like this? And I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't think you guys can hear my voice. Like you guys, you're just seeing my words and you're not, you're not hearing my voice. So I thought, you know, maybe it would be easier to have these discussions if people could hear me. So as a result of that, I started a, a web show called 10 Minutes with Ronald, where I talked about issues like this. I talked about issues like race. I talk, and I did it on Facebook Live when Facebook Live first started. So I talked about issues of, yeah. uh, of uh, police brutality, politics, all that. Talked about all, even movies that I liked. We talked about all of that. And people really responded positively to that because instead of reading my words, they could hear me. That led to me starting my podcast, Time Well Spent. And it really, it, it kind of pushed me down this path of really being able to push these types of transformative conversations that people are having in the comment section on the internet with no empathy, with no tone, like one whole, and I think that's one thing, we're, we're striving towards a world of communication where everything is written and everything is in text form and people think that that's effective. And I'm like, there are scenarios in which that is effective, but body language and tone are important. They are very, very important. And when we take those out of a conversation, all you're left with is the words. And in your mind, you uh, your imagination places the tone and the body language in the words. So if even if, Jacob, you send me an email from Pushkin that's like, Ronald, have a nice day. And I'm like, what? Don't talk to me like that. Don't tell me what to do. 
when you might have said it like, hey, Ronald, have a nice day. And I, but I couldn't see that. So I think it, this isn't necessarily a problem that I've solved, but at least for myself, what I'm working on solving is being able to present myself in a way where people can hear me, see that I'm smiling, see that I'm upset, see that I'm sad, all of that through my tone based on the media that I'm putting forth, whether that be in podcast form, uh, video form, or whatever other form. But most of the work that I do is all has to do with being able to tell people stories, talk to people on a personal level, talk to people one-on-one, or at least, you know, give them a piece of work from a podcast. Ronald, the other thing I was interested to ask you is what you think the biggest or most interesting problems are right now. You know, we, we have a meeting every week and try to come up with ideas and guests for the show. And, um, I'm interested in what you're interested in, because inevitably what the host cares about is going to drive a lot of who we hear from on Solvable. I honestly, for me, the biggest problem that I'll always loop back to will always be around racism. And Mm -hmm. it's it's hard to get away from it because the more I read about history, the more I look at the history of the United States from the founding to now, and the more I think about all of the stories that have been told over the years, some that have been forgotten, some that have just recently been brought to light, it makes me realize that we've really missed the mark on really bringing the country together in a way that is actually meaningful and intentional. And I don't know, I don't know how to solve it because I think for a lot of people, they just think racism is solved by diversifying a room. Um, racism is solved by, you know, acknowledging some of the hurt. Uh, and racism is solved by those things. But I, to me, I think it's a multifaceted solution. I think this is another one of those thematic problems that has like many problems underneath that each need to be solved before we can really get to a place of of harmony in the country and in and in the world. And it it, it doesn't necessarily keep me up at night anymore. I mean, depending on what night, maybe it does, but it doesn't necessarily keep me up all the time, but it's something that I constantly think about where I say, we're, I know we're not there yet. I, I think we're headed in the right, right direction. A lot of people are acknowledging it, but I don't necessarily want to pivot this show to being like, solve racism right now, uh, because I don't think it's that simple, but it is something that I think like, we're, what are the aspects of which we could be doing a better job and and pushing even more uh, forward beyond kind of the obvious initiatives or the the splashy initiatives uh, that we do. So yeah, that's kind of what I think about a lot. And I would love to hear from the listeners. I would love to know what problems keep y'all up at night. What are you guys thinking about? What would you like to see solved? Go to Twitter at Pushkin Pods, hashtag solvable, and tell us the type of problems that you'd love to hear us talk about solving. I'm really glad you said that, Ronald, because we've always uh, thought of this as a really participatory show. You know, we usually end by asking our guests what listeners can do if they want to get involved in solving the problem we're talking about. And you have your list of problems you're interested in. I have my list of problems I've been interested in. We get a ton of great ideas from our producers, um, but we really want to know what listeners think we should be doing, both specific guests and specific problems. And I'm really glad you're here. I'm excited now to be someone who's listening to the show with what you're going to do with it. I appreciate you guys bringing me on. I'm really excited to be a part of the team. And I'm excited to see where we go. Like, I mean, this is going to be, we're going we're gonna to have a good year. <laughs> All right. There's that optimism. Thank you, Ronald. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jacob. I appreciate you. Solvable senior producer is Jocelyn Frank. Booking by Lisa Dunn. Research by David Ja. Our managing producer is Sasha Mathias. 
And Mia LaBelle is the executive producer. If you like the show, please remember to share, rate, and review it. It really helps us get the word out. You can find Pushkin Podcasts wherever you listen, including on the iHeartRadio app and Apple Podcasts. I'm Jacob Weisberg. And I'm Ronald Young Jr. Talk to you more next week. It all started with two federal agents who heard a rumor. She mentions, well, there is this alleged murder to have taken place. There was just one problem. They had no clue who the victim was. We have to do our job, and we have to find out who did they kill. It had been 15 years since this alleged murder. Was it still possible to unearth the truth? I used to watch um, the Unsolved Mystery shows, and I often thought about calling because I was like, this is, this is not right. How can a person get killed and no one knows anything? I'm Jake Halpern, and this is Deep Cover, The Nameless Man. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to hear the entire season right now, ad-free, subscribe to Pushkin Plus on our Apple Podcast show page or on pushkin.fm slash plus. Wow.